When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And a very good morning to you, Anna. It's cloudy in some parts of the county and sunny in other parts, so wherever it is, hope you are keeping well. It's John Paul McNamara in for Patricia until one o'clock today. And Bernie is standing by taking your views on 1850-333-103. Your comments are welcome across the show if there's something you want to raise this morning. Or indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 86 103 You can email jp at c103.ie. And indeed, you can tweet us at c103cork and head on the show this morning. A lot of confusion over the last uh, day or so regarding the sacraments of communion and confirmation. After the government press conference where they announced they would delay indoor dining, uh, no mention of what was happening with those religious ceremonies. There was, of course, a mention of weddings and funerals, but the confusion went on and some diocese and some priests did say they will continue uh, with the communions and confirmations. But then, untarnished uh, Leo Varadkar told reporters after the press conference that they would not be going ahead but there was no government advice officially on this. Well after all the back and forth and asking government representatives to give some answer on what is happening with uh, the, the sacraments of communion and confirmation. Uh, parents you know, going out buying communion dresses some already have and had them for the last few months suits for the boys, getting things ready. Uh, the confusion went on until late yesterday evening where they came out and said they won't be going ahead and they advised that uh, they should not go ahead well, one priest, uh, Father Michael Toomey, uh, based in Clonmel, uh, he said that regardless, he would go ahead with his communion and confirmations in his area, uh, despite of what Antonisha had said to reporters after that conference because of the official guidance was not given. He met with his bishops yesterday. Uh, we'll hear what he's going to do now. And also in the Diocese of Cork, Ross and the Diocese of Clyne, and also for the Church of Ireland, Diocese of Cork, Ross and Clyne, uh, they were waiting 
for the advice, which is now saying that they will not be going ahead. So at least the decision has been made, but a lot of confusion for everybody involved, including the parents. And now people are questioning this morning on text and WhatsApp, how come a wedding can go ahead with 50 people? And then you have a situation whereby a communion or confirmation, uh, you know, you usually you have bring all the family. But in this occasion, you would be bringing maybe only the godparents and the parents and the sponsor for the confirmation. Anyhow, uh, your views are welcome on that and that confusion. A lot of confusion when it comes to what was announced over the last few days. And then within that, and I'll get to it shortly, it seems that on that, and we will speak to that priest, Father Michael Toomey, shortly, but on the modelling that was used for the delay in reopening indoor dining, you would have heard there uh, on the news of Barry that the Taoiseach, Michon Martin, he wrongly told cabinet ministers that the modelling was prompted uh, to delay on the dining, that it wasn't. That's the new advice on AstraZeneca and Janssen vaccines, the uh, J&J one, that they did not factor in that new advice, that they can give those now to under 40s. And because of that, uh, when in the opposition to these were told this from Tony Houlihan that the clearance from NIAC to use those under 40s uh, that was not included in the modelling that led to more confusion uh, so now there's a question do they need to remodel again and give the correct information but as you heard there with Barry on the news uh, Sam McConkie has come out and he has said basically that it would not make much of a difference so it seems the delay will continue until they come up with some agreement with the uh, sector which looks after responsibility for hospitality indoors and then while the TDs in the Dáil both in the opposition benches and in government were debating the decision on the taking which which was taken regarding indoor dining Professor Philip Nolan on a tweet yesterday evening uh, said that it was difficult and disappointing uh, and it would be for a lot of people this week, the news that they were releasing on the data regarding the Delta variant. And he said that caution is well advised. But uh, he did issue, and I won't get technical on this, but he did issue a series of tweets last night with graphs detailing the decision that never came to. And following Tony Houlihan's conversation with the opposition TDs, they now seem to have a different view. People were very vocal yesterday on the decision not to go ahead with the ease of restrictions, in particular to the indoor dining. And now it seems the mindset is slowly changing. Those in hospitality yesterday were willing to work on this, uh, you know, way of going into a restaurant if you were vaccinated and how that would work. So they were open to ideas and to sit down with government officials. Opposition to these now have a different take on this. And because they saw themselves the information, they feel we do need to be careful. And Professor Nolan, what basically he was saying last night is the level of infection we had last June 2020. It was very low last summer. Everything was more or less coming back to normal but it was weeks before the underlying exponential growth became apparent and he said essentially the seeds of what happened in October 2020 uh, that surge we saw going into Christmas the seeds of that were sown in July and August last year so that is why they have gone on with the advice of a delaying reopening indoor dining uh, and uh, you know we'll have to wait and see what will happen over the next two weeks when discussions will take place with the hospitality industry but that uh, has changed a lot of the criticism towards government from the opposition side 
side of things. Anyhow, uh, they now are looking at the data and going, this could be a lot worse if we did go ahead and open everything up is what more or less they are saying. And your views are welcome on that. Are they right now when people see the modelling and the explanation coming out from the likes of Professor Philip Nolan? Uh, But still, not all is happy because if you thought Love Island was where the drama was last night, it was not. It was in the Fianna Fáil Parliamentary Party because there was hostile exchanges at that party. Backbenchers very unhappy, also unhappy within Fianna Gael. But uh, we did put a call in this morning to the Cork East TD, James O'Connor, Uh, he's the youngest TD in the Dáil and he said last night he feels this is him now saying this he feels Fianna Fáil is toxic and irrelevant to young people because of such failures to do with Covid and then regarding people under 40 receiving the vaccine he has called that the government should give €150 to each person born since 1996 to entice them to get vaccinated. He said he is worried about vaccine hesitancy among the young people. Now, I'm not too sure where maybe he's hearing that on the ground. If you look at the figures in the older population and those in nursing homes, it has proven the vaccines are working. There's been a a less death rate, a less uh, cases in that age group. So it does show they're working. And while everybody has their own view on the vaccines, you would wonder, is it the AstraZeneca that he's hearing from younger people that the concern is when other countries were not giving that to under 40s? Is that the concern or what is the concern he is hearing because on the age group in their 30s who are going along now in the late 30s to receive the vaccines? There hasn't been a huge concern there by way of numbers going in for those in the areas that have started with the 30s, also with the early 40s. So I'm not sure where, the, where, where he's hearing that from. But then if he's going to give money to one group, you then have to ask, well, why not give it to everybody else? And what about the age category of the 60s to 70s who have to wait and have to, I know they're getting the second job now for the AstraZeneca, but they have to wait a number of weeks for that. Uh, should they not be given some allowance? As a lot of those people ringing us were worried uh, about the Delta variant as well. So uh, we'll, we'll, he might come back to us. We'll have to wait and see. But that's what happened last night anyhow at the Fianna Fáil meeting. Uh, a lot of angry people, a lot of, in particular within government, angry people uh, with the decisions made. But then interesting to hear from the opposition benches who can understand why the decision was made looking at the information maybe in more layman's terms coming out last night from Neffet and the professors involved and then would you travel north just to sit indoors and have a point well some Cork people are doing that and two people from Cork I know Murphy and Andrew Crosby spoke to the Irish Sun and they drove four and a half hours from Cork just for the points and they said the journey was completely worth it. It seems a lot of people are doing that journey and tourism in the north have noticed an increase in people travelling from the south as restrictions ease now in Northern Ireland. But I mean, if you go in a hotel here, if you go and stay in a hotel here in Cork, you can eat and drink indoors. So would you do that or just for the experience? And then you have people who will travel anyhow to explore our country. So uh, you're you so welcome on that. If you solely alone would travel to the north just to avail of the ease of restrictions up there and that you can travel uh, to various 
areas of Northern Ireland and you can eat indoors or outdoors or do whatever you really want to as they ease restrictions. Uh, but if you do that, well, a top biochemistry expert, he has revealed that those who are heading to the north to get around the indoor dining ban, uh, he fears that they could bring that Delta variant home. This is UCC's Professor Tom Cotter, who we have spoke to before on the show. He says within a matter of weeks, there's little anybody can do about what's happening with the Delta variant as it is going to be a big problem in all countries. And he feels those who are going to Belfast, they could spread the variant when they come back down here. Uh, so that's the fear. If you go then to the north, you could end up bringing uh, the variant down here as it is one of those that spreads rapidly. But on the idea of antigen testing, it seems now the government is going to sideline Neffet on that and press ahead uh, with rapid antigen testing, screening people for COVID-19. Stephen Donnelly, the health minister, has decided to bypass Neffet and establish a new expert group to fast track the rollout of these tests. We'll have to wait and see if that will uh, come about here as other countries across Europe are using uh, antigen testing. But nightclubs there's no mention of them opening for a number of months or social dancing which we get a lot of calls there but if you're in London it's been revealed by the Evening Standard which is a a local newspaper in London Uh, they have got an exclusive story where they say that nightclubs and music venues will reopen without people having to take Covid tests or show vaccine passports it's going to happen from July the 19th and it's a major boost for London's West Inns and nighttime economy it's going to be in that area of London where they will open the nightclubs clubs and music venues. It doesn't say it's a test uh, situation or anything. They're just giving the go-ahead and maybe they'll, they'll just see what happens. It's not across the UK uh, just in that area of London. So your views are welcome and everything that is coming out regarding that over the last number of days. You can uh, call us at 1850 Ever-changing is that story. Uh, and you can text on WhatsApp as well 0862 103 103. And something else that we got calls on this is to do with uh, many people who are getting scam calls in the last few days and scam text and the texts are called smishing uh, the, the scam text whereby they'll claim they're from a bank and they'll have a link and you click on the link and that's where you get caught you put in your bank details on that link and money then goes missing from your account well uh, banks are issuing further warnings today because there's been a spike in fraud cases over the last number of days uh, Bank of Ireland has revealed that they have seen a 184% increase in those targeted to date in 2021 more targeted over the last number of weeks and they give false links and false addresses for Bank of Ireland and they're just telling people not to click on those links when they receive a text. The worrying thing is some of the texts come up with BOI. Uh, So you think it is from Bank of Ireland. The name comes up on your phone but it obviously is not so just take extra care uh, on the messages you were getting this week it seems more so from Bank of Ireland uh, be careful of those and we got a few calls over the last number of days in the from people in the Mallow area asking any update on the boardwalk at Mallow Bridge and what is happening uh, with that project well we did get on to Cork County Council they came back to us yesterday and they say that an update on the boardwalk project that will be given to elected members of the council and the attended press at the July meeting of the Kenturk and Mallow district and that is going ahead tomorrow so we expect to have some news on the update and what exactly is happening with the boardwalk project in Mallow tomorrow. Your reviews are welcome 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And we spoke there about the uh, changing, ever-changing story when it comes to the restrictions and the views on the decisions that were made uh, on Tuesday with regarding to the delay in opening indoor dining. Well on that, Eddie uh, who contacted us yesterday on the show and 
he's making the point that uh, can people not stand back and look at this virus? Eddie says you can see how much this has mutated in the past 12 months. Who was to say it won't mutate again? And all these vaccinations, well, not saying they could be for nothing, but we need them to be extra safe, says Eddie. He understands the businesses and what they are saying, but he says we saw what happened at Christmas and we might not be where we are today if we did not open up so fast at Christmas. At that time, the government ignored Neffet's advice. We all saw what happened. We only opened for about a week and a half. The whole place closed again. And January, we saw the consequences. Eddie says we watched our our loved ones die. We saw and buried our loved ones all because we opened up too fast last December. When there was criticism for the government for not doing enough in November, when they went ahead and reopened, everybody was so happy. But then in January, everybody started criticising the government again because they opened and people started to die. No matter what decision was made, Eddie says, people will not be happy. The government are thinking back at what happened last Christmas and how many of our loved ones we saw die where I am living in a coastal region. It was just so, so sad. Nobody's fault, but just the virus, says Eddie, who's asking people to remember back to Christmas on uh, phone to 1850 And we're going to speak with the priest who, this is Father Michael Toomey, he's based in Clamel. And this is regarding the communions and confirmations. Confusion over this yesterday. No one knew what was happening because no official guidance was given. It was given last night. Now they are cancelled. We'll speak with him next. Court today. On C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. There was still some confusion around Holy Communions and confirmations taking place yesterday with the Austin officials here in Cork telling us they were waiting for government advice on the matter. We now know that the government advice says they should be cancelled. One priest said at the time after Antonisha giving a hint that they would not be going ahead but with no official advice, he said he would go ahead with uh, the communions and confirmations. I presume now that he's not. And Father Michael Toomey, who's based in Clamel, joins me. Good morning, good morning, Father Michael. Good morning, John Paul. How are you? Today? I'm fine, thanks. And thanks for joining good. us. We got no the confirmation bother. yesterday that people were looking for, which was not included in the government advice uh, when they released uh, information on weddings and funerals. Uh, you had meetings with the bishops yesterday in your diocese of Waterford and Lismore. And after that, I presume now you are cancelling, even though you said you would go ahead with communions, regardless of what the Tonish has said, you're cancelling your communions and confirmations. We are now, John Paul. So just to clarify, this time yesterday, we were only going on hearsay. Uh, insofar as the tarnister was asked by uh, by uh, journalists, you know, what about community confirmations? And he just said they're, they're cancelled, unfortunately. But there was nothing on the gov.ie to, to clarify that, nothing at all. And so I made the point, look, until we get proper clarity, I have to plan ahead because they're happening next weekend. So I just made that point. I wasn't going to defy any directive if it was in writing or from the, the, the bishops and that. I just wanted to say, well, at the moment, there is nothing. And I just highlighted that, John Paul, because there's been a lot of that during this pandemic. You know, uh, these advice and these recommendations are thrown out without any due consideration. However, during the meeting that I had with the bishop and other priests yesterday, it was during the meeting that the gov.ie website was updated. I was able to interact in the meeting and say, look, we need to go back to this because it's now updated. So it's, it, all it says, it's not that it's, uh, it's just advised that religious ceremonies as uh, First Communions, Confirmations, Baptism should not take place uh, at this time. So obviously then we can then say categorically, okay, now we have it in writing, now we can give the directive. And I think you mentioned there 
uh, your own listeners in Cork, they weren't sure because no one was sure. There was no clarity yesterday at all. And do you think that they still could have gone ahead with, for example, communion and, and confirmation? When you see baptisms, uh, they were told at, at the time of restrictions, you could go ahead on local guidance. And if you look yeah. at holy communions and confirmations, you could have a situation where you'd have the parents there and just maybe the godparents. Uh, when you look at weddings with 50 guests permission to attend a wedding, could they have gone ahead or would that cause problems then with larger schools? You see, the other confusion as well then, John Paul, is the government advice when the churches did finally reopen, by the way, Ireland was the last country in Europe to open up for public worship. Uh, it was, you know, interreligious services in-house could basically take, take place now in churches. So this is a religious ceremony, communions and confirmations. And I understand that it's not so much what's happening in the church, John Paul, it's what's happening outside the church, i.e. afterwards, at the gatherings. That's where the government's coming from. And I fully appreciate that. That's not my concern. We have, uh, I have definitely, I know a lot of my priests and bishops have said, you know, we've encouraged people, follow the health guidelines, you know, don't have large gatherings, you know, be very sensible. I've had to do that not just for, for this, I've had to do it for funerals as well. And you know, the heartbreak of telling people, please don't shake hands. Look, we just have a guidance here. So we are following the guidelines that are given to us as best we can. The, the thing with the, the communion and confirmation ceremony, John Paul, is we will know exactly who's in the church. We will have what we have decided in our parish. We would have the child, the sponsor, and two other people. And that's it the bubble of four. They would be socially distant, there'd be no one sitting in front of them or behind them, they'd have their own bench, and we'd have them well spaced out. We can manage that. Now, we will still do that when the confirmation communions take place, so that won't change. We actually are able to manage that better than if we had a public mass and people could just uh, come in uh, on a Sunday, for example. And we're also very conscious of local issues, like, for example, we're aware of a couple of outbreaks in our diocese here, so the, pitious, the, the priests themselves have said, okay, we have to postpone matters this weekend because there's an outbreak. We know what's happening on the ground. So we, we, we are doing our best. And obviously this is a health situation. It's a pandemic. And I am one of the first people to know exactly what the problem is because I've had to deal with, sadly, people have been sick with this. Sadly, people have died, including a, a distant cousin of mine. So I do know that this is a health issue. But we have to learn to live with this virus long term. And my big query today, or my, my big call today is government needs to engage with all sectors of society, including religious sectors, before they give any information out, because it does have a, a bigger impact. Yeah, because they release information, they say something, but then there's always something missing from that information, like yesterday with the communions and confirmations. There's been other times they have mentioned items, maybe not to do with the church, with other sectors, and they have left out a major component. And then we here are getting calls. We're trying to find information, as are other radio stations. Whereas if if they touch base, they'll know and you'll know exactly what should be included and what should be said at the various announcements. That's exactly what I was highlighting yesterday. I've just made the point, I've heard nothing officially from government, I'm carrying on. Mm, You know, I know it was on RTE, I know it was on the the newspapers, but there's nothing official. Now it is, now I can say, okay, now we can't go ahead. So I wasn't rebelling against the government, as some people might have said, or, you know, my bishop certainly not, or, or anyone else. I was just pointing out, look, this is an oversight, and this is where government need to really engage with people at the front, the coalface, as we call it. You know, with priests on the ground, with vintners on the ground, with hairdressers on the ground, they make a decision. Yesterday morning, I need to say this, John Paul, yesterday morning I was on national radio and uh, the tarnisher was on just before me. He was asked, 
you know, why no community confirmations? And he replied, the advice again from Nepet is that they should be deferred. And the interviewer said, is, is it? And I thought that was a strange question. No, he, he said it. And he said, oh, yes, it is. Absolutely. And he carried on. Why? Because of the gatherings and everything. Two things I want to pick up. One, he said, you know, super spreader events can be linked to them. But funerals and weddings, he said, they're not as easy to defer. Well, you know, with a funeral or a wedding, you're dealing with one family. With a, with a communion confirmation, you're dealing with about 20 or 30. And the other thing, which is in the Irish Independent today and which was picked up on, is that Neffert did not say that. The chief medical officer did not make a specific recommendation in relation to communions and confirmations. So either he was caught on the hop yesterday, he was misinformed, or he I don't know what happened. But that needs to be clarified. Who is making these decisions? Yeah, that's a good point. It's like what uh, Neffet with the, with the modelling, the wrong information that came out regarding Dan as well, with the uh, Taoiseach telling the others in the Dáil uh, and in government that they had considered the new change in the vaccine and that wasn't the case. So you're right, who was yeah. making the decisions? If, if somebody, one part of the government is saying one thing and then you have Neffet saying, no, we, we never recommended that. But you did pick up on a point there that, she, that you made regarding the celebrations afterwards. Anna has texted and she says it's her child's communion and it's not going to go ahead. Now, it was used to go ahead this month it's now not but they've booked the Bouncing Castle and they feel now they're going to go ahead with the Bouncing Castle because they're going to use it as a treat for the children as they can't go anywhere at the moment and they were looking forward to the communion and it's not going ahead now so she says if I'm going ahead with mine you can be sure that others are as well so even though they're cancelling the religious side of it the parties could go on so it, it could actually overlook the whole situation of being careful because the parties it seems will go ahead regardless or not if the sacrament will not That's exactly what I'm hearing, John Paul, and that was my point today. So by cancelling the communions and the confirmations in the church, many things have already been booked, especially in the coming weeks. So people are going to go ahead because there's people coming down. It's a family gathering. One of my families in particular, and they're very safe, the majority of them anyway are, is that one family had said one set of granny and granddad is going to come at 11, one's going to come at 2, the aunt's come at 4, or this up all socially distanced. So it was well planned. And those plans will probably still go ahead. And, you know, this is my point. This is still going to head. And this is why I'm saying if the government could just sit down and speak with people on the call and say, well, look, if you make this decision, this is what's going to happen. And this is exactly what I would have said to government. You can cancel the communities and confirmations in the church if you want to, but they're still going to have what you don't want to happen, which is the gathering. It just makes no sense. Yeah, and on the text we're getting here, like Anna, there's a lot of people doing that. So you would prefer if they spoke to the bishops and the diocese rather than going ahead and making a decision and not speaking to anyone. Very finally, uh, Father Michael, Mary is abandoned. Mm -hmm. She wants to know, and I don't know if if this is something you're aware of going to happen uh, within the churches, but she wants to know if there's going to be any system to assure all people attending church services uh, that everybody is fully vaccinated. Is that something that you're looking at, for, like like what they're proposing for indoor dining? An excellent question, you know, and I knew that would come up, and it's a great question there. You know, if, 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 and I say this, if they come up with a thing, say, right, you can go to church if you're fully vaccinated, I'm not going to ask anyone if you're fully vaccinated or not. That's not my, my job. That's not my remit. You know, the Irish bishops have come out with a statement encouraging people to get the vaccine. Uh, they, they've been quite strong on that, uh, encouraging people to support because it's not just yourself, you're protecting the wider, it's, so it's a moral duty to, to assist others as well. And that is that that is just unworkable, to be honest, and that. So all we can do is, as we have been doing, John Paul, is follow the advice and say, look, if you have symptoms of COVID, 
please stay at home if you're feeling unwell, please stay at home. There are online services, as you know, I spoke to uh, on, on your show before about mm-hmm. those and the impacts of those. Um, so, look, it's just we're, we're appealing to people, common sense. And, you know, the government needs to say to people, use your common sense as well, but let us use our common sense. Don't just brush us all with the one brush and say, look, you, you have to do it all this way without the bigger consequences. And I know the hospitality sector the very same way as the other people as well. So yeah, and, and uh, communicate, communicate with those in those Communicate sectors. with those. And I wouldn't just say bishops, by the way. I'd say priests on the ground. Bishops, all due respect to them, the four archbishops, they do a huge amount of work, great respect for them. But you need to speak to people, local people on the ground, to say, right, if you do this, this is the impact. This is how we, in our diocese, work yesterday. The bishop called priests from across the diocese. And we all had our different opinions and ideas because that's what's happening. So he's aware of what's happening, and that's why his ear is onto the ground as well, because he listens to us as well, which is which is a great support. Yeah, and you can feed that back uh, for the moment. Father Michael, thanks for joining us. We'll await and see what will happen over the next few months with regarding the services. But thanks for joining us this morning. And to you and your listeners. God bless you. Take care. Bye. That is Father Michael Toomey there from Clonmel, and he is in the Diocese of Waterford and Lismore, and the action now they are taking as uh, is across here in Cork regarding uh, the communions and confirmations, and the confusion around that. And as he says, if they just spoke to those within the sectors and spoke to those on the ground there might be lack or less of uh, confusion surrounding what was announced on Tuesday when they don't really specifically go into detail on certain aspects of a sector like that with no mention of those arguments and uh, like what has come out with the indoor dining over the last few days. Your views are welcome. 1850 text or WhatsApp 0862103103 on the way we are going to hear and discuss the cost of compensation payouts by Cork County Council and could they be reduced if road networks were improved along with footpaths that may be leading to claims from the public to the council and what's your view on home septic tanks because more than half of home septic tanks they failed recent inspections by the Environmental Protection Agency. We'll be discussing that with the EPA after 11. But your views are welcome. Some people feel it's unfair having these inspections. They cannot connect to the main town or village waterworks and sewerage systems, so they have to provide their own. And now they have to maintain it to a certain standard, where some feel it is working perfectly enough without paying more money out. I know there's grants available, but a lot of people find those grants hard to get access to. Anyhow, your views are welcome on that. If you have have been inspected maybe by the EPA over the last number of years. 1850 103. You can tweet us at C103 Cork. At a recent Cork County Council meeting, Councillor Joe Carroll posed a request on road compensation claims. The council refused to provide details of the total cost of compensation claims lodged against it for accidents caused by maybe bad road conditions. But Councillor Joe Carroll joins me to discuss this. Good morning to you, Joe. Good morning, Jen Paul. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks, and thanks for joining us. Now, I know you didn't get any costs involved, but you did get details on claims. Uh, what were some of the details you got regarding the claims that are uh, going into Cork County Council? Maybe because, and I presume it is due to the bad road conditions and footpath conditions across the county. Yeah, well, Jen Paul, um, I'll tell you the situation there was, um, I, was uh, I, I heard about the same question being asked in Kerry because I think there was some concern about the figures down there that were a bit alarming but no uh, when when you get the figures in Cork County and you take into account the amount of roads and uh, that we have in the county we have um, we have I think we have 12,500 kilometres of roads in Cork County that's a lot of road roads and there's bound to be places where the council can keep uh, an eye on the whole time but at the same time we do know from our own experience and we've been shouting uh, off the rooftops for a long time that the roads have gone away below the standards that they should be especially here in West Cork and I suppose I'm sure North Cork as well 
But uh, they have gone away backwards, and it's, that's really down to the, the fact that we don't have uh, personnel on the road. Not, they're not being attended. They're not getting the same attention that they should. And the amount of claims um, would be, I don't know what, I can't just find it right now, but they were not that significant, really, uh, when you're taking into account the amount of roads that we have. And I, I think that's really down to the fact that there's a lot of people, um, some people might say, yes, my car is damaged, I am certainly going to make a claim. Then there's a lot of people who say, to hell with it, right, you know, and, and, and accept it, which is wrong, too. So um, footpaths, uh, they're, they're, they're certainly something that has fallen away behind in our towns, and I think that's really down to the fact that where I live anyway, and in, in other towns around where there was a youth, where there was a town council, they're certainly not getting the same attention. And, uh, of course, I suppose, John Paul, in towns, cars have got wider, trucks have got wider, and a lot of them spend a lot more time on the footpaths than they did before. Yeah, and they're damaging the edge of the footpaths yeah, and causing yeah, disrepair yeah. to the footpaths. And is it then a situation that someone falls on a footpath and breaks a leg or injures themselves and that then is going into a, a claim to the council? But your thing is, if you go along and resurface the footpaths and the roads, make them all accessible, if they're in good nick, then you wouldn't have a situation of compensation claims that would lower claims in the council and they could invest more than in our road and footpaths. Quite quite right, John Paul. And look, the, the situation was, was put in, was really put right with my colleague um, Gerard Murphy there from North Cork he, he's in the legal business himself and he said the, the amount of claims should no matter what whether they're successful or not they should be uh, minimised as much as possible against the council simply because he made a statement that whether you win whether somebody wins the claim or loses the claim it's still going to cost the council money uh, paying for paying for legal legal people and that kind of stuff and uh, he went on to say well in, in those cases well the, the, the only cure for all that is, is prevention prevention is, uh, is, is going to be the cure any time and what can be done when it comes to our road network if it is leading to claims and footpaths and disrepair is leading to claims? When you look at other counties, this always comes up and it came up again uh, yesterday afternoon on the show when we had callers who had been in staycations. They see roads and motorways in County Clare and Limerick and they come back to either uh, East Cork or North Cork. Or, or we get a lot of calls uh, from people who are travelling on main roadways and the N71 is the biggest one we get, the main roadway into West Cork. The state of that road compared to the state of a main roadway to a tourist area let's say in County Galway or County Clare why is it still a roadway that is underfunded and uh, never yeah, uh, having a situation whereby they've, we see investment to the roadway or a new route proposed for it or resurfacing works a- along with the uh, the road towards where a lot of people would travel now from Banshee or Castletown Bear the R586 the Via Ben Leblanc Copine yeah, we were, um, actually, look, uh, let me tell you, John Paul, on the first meeting of this present council in 2019, when we, when each of us had something to say, I made a, a strong declaration on that day that I didn't realise that the roads of, of West Cork and, and, and rural level were so bad until I went out and canvassed most of them. I canvassed a lot uh, around the heart of West Cork there, and I could not believe, in actual fact, I made a statement that there were some roads I came across where a tape should be put across them, they should be closed, not fit for traffic. And people had to travel those roads. So our argument the whole time, this argument is going on, and I, we've been looking to meet ministers to come down, because the money, the, the money allocation for Cork County has fallen, has went, went way back in 2010, and has never recovered to that level again to service the roads of Cork County. And that's where we're standing at the moment. And I think it's a shocking indictment on, on our, our, our actress members, uh, all of them, that... Uh, 
that they, 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 they can't level off the playing field. We, 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 the money that we're getting for our council, I mean, our, our engineers are outstanding people. I don't know how they can get so much out of what they have. And, and, and if the few men that they have not left with them now, that it's, um, it's, a, it, it's an outrage. But like you know, we have the, of this famous AIR report, the independent report uh, on our funding to Cork County, we saw how bad that was. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, I think there's less than half of the money, all the money that we get from our motor tax is going to central government. I think less than half of that comes back to our roads. So that's, that's, that's completely, our motor tax is to pay for our roads, not, not I think, I believe it, somebody told me one time it's going to Irish water. Well, damn it, we're not supposed to be, or, 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 or cows are not supposed to be paying for our water. Mm. So, I mean, it's a complete lack of funding. And it's, it, it is, when you follow, follow the three, from that lack of funding right up, you are going to have more uh, compensation claims, and that could be put into council in a pinch. But I was glad to see, actually, that our finance director was able to tell us, look, that there was no real crisis, and that where everything was very much, and the, the CEO also said the same, everything was very much under Cover. They were keeping an eye. It, it was uh, very much under observation, and that we weren't at any crisis level. But at the same time, they would be very much happier if we had fabulous um, compensation claims for from our roads and from our footpaths. Yeah, and a lot of that again will be going back to the situation. If they were in good nick, there would be no need for for claims uh, to the council for roads or footpaths for the moment. Joe, thanks for joining us on that matter this morning. That is the councillor Joe Carl uh, joining us from Skibbereen. Uh, your views are welcome. Have you, out of interest, damaged your car in a roadway? And have you made a claim? And how did you get on? I know we have spoken to people in the past who would have received tyre damage, uh, and the rim of the wheel would have even been damaged from a pothole in various parts of the county. They did to make a claim some were successful some just were back and forth with paperwork and ended up getting nowhere so were you successful have you made a claim to the council on a damage caused to your car maybe wheel is the typical example of a bad road surface or a pothole and did you get money back were you successful or were you just turned up by the paperwork or were you just back and forth and nothing happened let us know 1850-333-103 or you can text or whatsapp 0862-103-103 and hi to Anne and Skibbereen we are text just came in as Councillor Joe Carl was uh, finishing the interview with me but we are going to get back on to Joe and ask him these questions that have come in. First of all Anna's asking about traffic that has not improved since closing North Street in Skibbereen Bridge Street and Townsend Street are now full of traffic. It's just moved traffic north uh, to other streets in Skibbereen fields and we'll ask Joe what is happening with that. I know it is uh, uh, something that is in place, was due to be in place anyhow just for the summer months but we were going to get on to Joe uh, for a response on that and also for a response on people in the Skibbereen area who are asking about grass cutting being stopped in council estates within Skibbereen. We'll have an answer for you on those after 11. But also, I don't watch for a city now. I haven't seen this. So people that do watch for a city, if you can help us out on this and your view. I do. I have seen the promos for the verdict and the trial that was going on within the soap. But a few texts in and this is one of them who says, I think for a city was wrong last night to say Will was not guilty. We watched this for months, how he hit Chris and more. Uh, People who are in an abusive environment will look at this and think that they won't get belief either uh, by this storyline. And this was the storyline where it was a domestic abuse storyline between uh, Chris and Will on the soap Fair City, where viewers had been witnessing abuse by Will and was leaving physical, it was a physical attack uh, and a brutal physical attack seemingly where Will was left left, uh, Chris for dead. 
Anyhow, it went on for a number of months. It went to court, it went to jury. And last night, the verdict came out on Fair City of not guilty. But a lot of tax feeding, it sends out the wrong message to those who do find themselves or are thinking of going legal for uh, domestic abuse. Your views are welcome on that. Uh, if you watch Fair City, do you agree with that texture that it was wrong uh, to send that message out and the not guilty verdict was wrong? 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 086 103 Cork today with you until one. Bernie takes your comments across the show. 1850 333 103. You can text or WhatsApp 086 103 103. Still ahead, we're going to be hearing how more than half of homes and their own septic tanks, they have failed recent inspections by the Environmental Protection Agency will be speaking with the EPA shortly on the programme and also asking your views on these inspections. Do you think they're welcome? Are you one of those who have your own water and sewer system? Mainly because you live in an area where you're too far away from a village or town to connect to the public supply, so you have no choice but to do this. But then do you feel hard done by that? Uh, there's a guy or girl coming out inspecting uh, your septic tank and then if it fails you have to invest in that I know there is grants available but some feel that those grants uh, they're hard to get they're hard to achieve there's paperwork and sometimes you don't get the grant anyhow your views are welcome on that regarding the septic tank inspections and also ahead we're going to speak on our Garda file with Garda James O'Mahony who is presenting his final Garda file with us today after over 30 years we'll hear from James with the latest on crimes but also uh, on the changes to the Garda force over that 30 years that are more to come between now and midday of course at 12.30 Jane our resident vet joins us if you have a pet question for Jane you can get those into us now as well on 1850 333 103 but uh, earlier on we were discussing uh, the changes and the delay in indoor dining and a lot of the parliamentary party meetings were hostile is what some people are saying last night in particular Fianna Fáil's one and Cork East TD James O'Connor he's one of the youngest TDs in the Dáil he said at that meeting that he feels this is his opinion now he feels Fianna Fáil is toxic and irrelevant to young people because of such failures but he is worried about vaccine hesitancy among young people and he has called on the government to give a €150 to each person born since 1996 this will be in to entice them to get the vaccine so they all would get 150 euros well a lot of various comments on this uh, in the last hour or so into us first of all uh, Morris says has that TD lost the plot for God's sake paying the young to get the vaccine oh my God they are supposed to be educated enough and they are supposed to be the educated future of our country I'm fully vaccinated and I still don't go anywhere as I feel socially awkward it's a disgrace to even suggest to pay them as for driving to the north to avail of indoor dining uh, Maura just shakes her head at that uh, thank you Maura for your WhatsApp and 0862103103 and I was making that point that first of all the vaccine hesitancy I presume this is something that James is hearing himself on the ground uh, from speaking to young people uh, but then if you look at the numbers for those in their early 40s and 30s who are being called for the vaccine, it, it, you know, it is higher than other European countries. So I'm not too sure if it's in their 20s is hearing that. And then if you are going to give money to one age cohort, why not give it to other people who have got the vaccine and those in their 60s to 69 age group who had to wait over 12 weeks for the second jab of the AstraZeneca. So, uh, you know, could, could it be seen as dividing society like we spoke about earlier on this week, James? 
is in McCroom. James says, paying for the vaccine, we have the highest uptake in Europe, so why are we going to pay people for the vaccine? It's a free choice anyway, but if we start paying one age group, then pay us all. Why are we dividing society with money, says James, while Daniel is in tallow. He says the government needs to concentrate on getting all the older people vaccinated and not be offering an incentive to young people to get the jab. Daniel has three young people in his home and none of them, says Daniel, see the point of getting the jab, uh, Daniel says in tallow. Well, Elaine is in Crosshaven. Elaine says, I agree, JP. If they pay those in their 20s, then why not those in the 60 to 69 age group who felt hard done by as they didn't get their second jab for weeks? I am in my early 40s, says Elaine, and I would feel hard done by if others get money because they got vaccinated and I did not. Uh, and a lot of people are, and the same with Elaine there in Crosshaven and the same point feel that like, if you want to give money to one uh, age group, of society why not give it to all your views are welcome on that and that idea coming from the Fianna Fáil parliamentary party last night from the Fianna Fáil Cork East TD James O'Connor based in Yod we spoke earlier to Father Michael Toomey from Clonmel on the issue of communions and confirmations confusion over that the government came out saying uh, this that and everything would not be going ahead uh, restrictions would not ease but they never specifically mentioned communions and confirmations the guidance now has come out yesterday evening and on this, a number of texts, and first of all, this text is saying it would be lovely to have First Communions and Confirmations, but in my opinion, a lot of the celebrations are only show. A lot of the children are never taken to the church since they were baptised. I know they are wonderful parents, but so many only want the show and the pub after, says that texter. While James says if 500 people are allowed to a sporting event, it's an absolute disgrace that the communion and confirmations can't go ahead. And somebody's asking about uh, wedding guests for August. At the moment, it's standing at 50. And you know that things are changing so fast. So it's standing at 50 at the moment. But as always, like we say, anything to do with government guidance, really check in because uh, uh, it is changing by the day at this stage or by the week as things continue to change across Europe with this the Delta variant. And on the Holy Communion, uh, this person says, just give Holy Communion and confirmation to the children. It's no one's business what happens after. Yeah, we have to live with it, as Father Michael said, and we are letting children down again by these decisions. And a listener who says a North Cork listener, I'm wondering about all these clowns who were after stopping the christenings and still 2,500 people can go to a golf tournament today. It's just pure stupidity. There won't be big crowds at a christening. What a laugh says a listener in North Cork. And JP, why do the boys have to wear suits? Why can't they wear a dress for the communion or confirmations if they want? And I was referring to how parents had already bought the clothes for the communion or the confirmation earlier and I just gave an example of listeners who were in contact with us and said they had bought the the, the dress for the girls and the suits for the boys and that was just giving an example yeah you're right if, if a boy wants to wear a dress to a communion confirmation they can and that was just an example I gave from one of our listeners who was on to us earlier in the show and Michelle says good morning John Paul with regards to First Holy Communions could you tell me are communions that were to go ahead in August are they now cancelled or is it just July dates that are cancelled all I can say at the moment is everything is off the cards until the government come back and say otherwise so for the moment uh, July and August communions 
unions are off. Many are now deferred until September in a hope that they will go ahead in September but for the moment it does look like everything is off the cards for the summer with regards to communions and confirmations but again on that I would check in with your local church your local priest that is uh, looking after this in the local school uh, just to be 100% sure for yourself Michelle but going on the advice uh, anything that we have got most of those now uh, communions and confirmations uh, deferred. Some already were going ahead in September but some now are deferred until September. Uh, hopefully they can go ahead then. We'll know a lot more as we get nearer to the autumn. Uh, onto something totally different. This is to do with the GAA and a texter here says, shame on the GAA after all the funding they got because of Covid and how well they are looked after by the government people now have to pay to watch the Cork and Limerick match. I hope nobody supports them when they come looking for money again, uh, says this uh, texter and this is to do with the Cork uh, game of course on Saturday isn't it Limerick uh, in the Munster Championship they have confirmed Munster GA that is have confirmed uh, that this Saturday they will welcome 2,400 people into the ground in Thurlis and this game is taking place Saturday evening it's live here on C103 uh, but it is part of what they are doing is bringing back fans to stadiums which you've seen right across uh, the I suppose the last few months maybe the Euro I know we've seen it in the last few months more so in the last month maybe here in Europe anyhow I know in Australia you would have seen it for the last two or three months but mainly in the last month or so watching TV for the Euros you would have seen stadiums and fans in those stadiums great to see and a great atmosphere again but uh, the last time hurling fans took to the trip to tip would have been in 2019 and this was when the under 20s were in uh, a local provincial final so uh, because of that there is going to be fans allowed into the ground but uh, this texture says he thought that maybe because of the grants the GA got from the government uh, you'd be allowed in for free. No, that is not the case. You'll have to pay going in. Uh, the money given to the GA maybe was to keep things going and, and keep the organisation going during COVID, but it doesn't look like they're going to be giving you uh, free tickets to go along and see the match anyhow. Uh, but it's, uh, over 2,000 Hurling fans will be allowed into Simple Stadium for uh, Cork and Limerick in the Munster Championship that game a Saturday evening. And it is live here on C103 on Saturday evening on a Saturday evening sports special if you're not going to the game itself. Also, something that came up up when we were speaking to Councillor Joe Carroll earlier and this was to do with traffic in Skibbereen. Now unfortunately these texts came in just as Joe was finishing up the interview so we didn't get to ask him but we did ring Joe back off air and ask him these questions. So Anne is in Skibbereen and this is regarding, and I'm sure other people have a view on this as well, the changes to traffic in Skibbereen. Anfield is not improving since they closed North Street in Skibbereen to traffic. Bridge Street and Townsend Street are now full of traffic. It's just moving traffic north to other streets in Skibbereen. Well, on that, Joe says the traffic that, that is good, the traffic trial that is going ahead at the moment in Skibbereen, it is only for a two-month period and it's going to be for two months of the summer if it does not work out and if they look at this and feel it did not work and like Anna's saying is causing problems in other areas of Skibbereen then it will go back to the way it is but for the two months of the summer the trial will continue and so that's the 
uh, situation there. But if you're saying it's causing problems elsewhere, they may look at this and go, it's not working. It will go back to the way it is. And then we had another text in regarding why the council has stopped the grass being cut in council states in Skibbereen. Uh, this texter was saying the kids have nowhere to play. Uh, Joe says the council seems to be cutting back now on those services. They are trying to outsource the jobs as they are short-staffed. He brought up this uh, problem at a recent council meeting and they are calling on the council to hire more staff but at the moment it does look like they are trying to outsource those jobs because the council are short-staffed so and that is the reason why there is no grass being cut in those council estates you mentioned there in Skibbereen. And staying on that, a different Anne says, Good morning, John Paul. While I was listening to Joe Carroll earlier saying his, uh, that we here in Cork have good engineers, uh, I live in the Ring, a Clonakilty area, and our road was closed for nine months for major works. The road is too narrow for two tractors to pass and is only lined some of the way because it isn't wide enough to go all the way around the roundabout. They stoned the wall on two sides on the wrong side if the road, uh, the left hand side going into Clonakilty was meant to be the stoned uh, on both sides but the right was fine in error and yesterday they were back again cutting the mass concrete wall. What a waste of money with no improvements, uh, says Anne, who is living in that area of Ring near Clonakilty and is asking about what Joe said, uh, that we have good engineers. She's asking, is he well, well? Yeah, Anne, it's something that we've got a lot of calls on this from people living in that area of Ring and Dara going on to various areas of Clonakilty who use that road and, and they aren't happy with what happened. It was supposed to be a, a major improvement, they said, but a lot of people... I would agree with you, Alan, and say it was a disimprovement and felt no improvement was made on that road in Ring near Clon. Thank you for your text on WhatsApp to 0862103103. And just before news, we got a text in regarding Fair City. And we have a lot of people who've come back to us on this. And this is from a texter. And if you do watch Fair City, you'll know the storyline. A texter, first of all, that raised this said it was wrong last night to say Will was not guilty. We have watched this for months now. And we saw how he hit Chris and more. People who were in abusive environments will look at this and think that they won't get belief either going on the end of judgment on this storyline well on this if you watch again if you watch for City you'll be well aware if you don't a storyline that was running for the last number of months there was a, a storyline involving a couple Will and Cristiano and viewers had seen Cristiano being abused by Will and this was cultivating in a, a brutal physical attack where Will left him for dead and despite Cristiano and Dolores uh, damning testimony Will damaging his own case by taking to the stand himself he was still found innocent by the jury now a lot of people feel that this was wrong it's sending out the wrong message to those who are living in domestic abuse type relationships and Morris says yes I do watch Fair City but I gave it up but I did watch the trial last night and yes I agree it gave the wrong message but I hope that they will be following up to prove Will and his manipulating nasty side says Maura on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and a lot of people agree with Maura there and indeed her earlier texter on the decision they feel it was a wrong decision now I do presume the show is going to go back and relook at this and something will happen and the storyline will continue on but for those in domestic abuse relationships a lot of people saying it's just sending out the wrong message. Now, at the end of the day, it is is a soap and they're looking for ratings so if they can uh, continue uh, the tense 
that the intensity that is coming out from that storyline and that is gripping viewers they will continue with that so we do hope that they will go back to that again and something will happen with Will uh, in Fair City but your views are welcome do you agree with those people who are texting in saying that it is sending out the wrong message to those who are trying to leave an abusive relationship and are thinking of going to court but when they watch this uh, will it change their mind hopefully not and I do think they will continue this storyline as Maura was saying because at the end of the day that is the soap and they need to get their viewers in so I do hope they go back to that anyhow your views are welcome 1850-333-103 or text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 C103 Jobs and on today's job spot we have opportunities which include a part-time 3D designer required for the Bandon area or you could work from home experience in the construction industry is desirable and some experience in SketchUp also email to nile at bigmantinyhomes.ie Clonacilty Park Hotel have a vacancy for a restaurant host or hostess email Maria Carolyn at mcarolyn at clonacilty and an experience a bar person is wanted for an and media start in Mallow you must have at least two years experience and have fluent English contact 087-911-9473 for further information you'll get these jobs and more job opportunities online now just go to c103.ie forward slash job you're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. More than half of home sewerage systems checked last year failed inspection and half were a risk to human health or the environment. Stephen McCarthy, an inspector with the Office of Environment Enforcement with the EPA, joins me on this. Good morning to you, Stephen. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. First of all, these inspections were put into place in 2013. At that time, not everybody was happy as they felt it wasn't fair on those who had to provide their own water and sewage facilities. But on the recent findings, does it show that these inspections are needed? Yes, they are needed. Um, 
Um, the failure rate on, on the inspections last year was 54% uh, out of 800 inspections completed. And that's been pretty consistent since the um, the scheme came into place, as you said, in 2013. So um, there, there are a lot of failures on septic tank systems uh, across the country. Um, and I guess it's important people understand uh, the problems that are arising and, and how significant they can be and the risks to human health and that they should take action if they have these problems um, and the supports that are there as well. And what harm can come then of septic tanks failing inspections? We mentioned there, you know, the, the leaking from the septic tank and it yeah. may go into streams. What, what risk can that have on human health? Yeah, there, there, there's two categories of failure under, under, the system, under, under the inspections we see. One is around maintenance and so on. And then the other is, is these more serious issues where effluent is ponding on the ground. Obviously, if effluent is exposed and ponding, that's a risk to children playing in gardens and so on. Or if it's going into ditches and streams, it's also a risk to the environment in terms of impact on, on rivers. And, and a particular concern, actually, is, is, is in relation to household wells. Many people that have a septic tank also have a household well. So at least 165,000 households have both on the same site. And their neighbours have wells as well, uh, are drinking water wells also. And the danger is that there is cross-contamination underground and you wouldn't be aware of this if the system isn't working right or functioning right, the septic tank system. So in addition to making sure the septic tank is working correctly, I think it's important for people with household wells to get their well tested at least annually and make sure and give themselves that, that, that security that their drinking water is in good order. And you can just go to a, a local engineer or a local person to get the well tested and does it cost them that, I presume, as well, though? If you go to our website, there's information on, on who's available in relation to testing and costs and so on. Um, so there's information on that online. And regarding the tanks then, if they do fail, what happens then in that situation? Uh, people will have to readjust their tanks and, and get someone out to, to sort the problem, obviously enough, but it, there's a cost involved in this, isn't there? And there, there are grants available. There is. Um, um, so if someone fails inspection, they'll be given an advisory notice by a local authority. Who, the local authorities complete the inspections and a time frame to complete the, the works. So at least you'll know, know what's required to, to solve the problem. Um, and there are grant schemes available. And actually, importantly, in Cork, the grant scheme up to 2020 was available for people who had been inspected and failed inspection, so there was their support there. There's a new grant scheme came in in 2020, which broadens it out. So in, in what's called high-status areas, areas where, where we really need to protect our rivers, there is a grant scheme that's household-led. So if you if you have problems with your septic tank, you can come to your local authority on your own initiative. And quite a lot of those areas are in Cork, so it's worthwhile um, if you have problems. We'd encourage people, obviously, to sort those problems as, as, as we've, we've discussed there due to the risks and check out with your local authority what grants might be available. And can a person be fined if they don't undertake the necessary works? Yes, they can. They can be, um, they can be um, prosecuted uh, and fined up to €5,000 for um, failure to comply with the advisory notice. And there have been some cases taken as reported in the in the report. And but if a person does go ahead and fail the inspection, but then goes to look at starting the problem, they're not fined initially. No, they're not. No. You you are given a chance. You're to given a, a you're given a yeah you're given an advisory notice as I said, and the time frames there are generally set to allow for time for the issue to be dealt with. If it's a simple issue like cleaning out a septic tank, maybe three months and longer, maybe up to 12 months for for more significant issues because it involves coming into people's gardens. You need the right ground conditions and so on. So people are given time and local authorities will engage with people in relation to it. But ultimately, 
it is an offence that can be subject to prosecution and fine if it's not complied with. And are the grant system, are they easing up? Are they getting easier to access? I know at the very start there was people who were in a situation where they found it tough to access the grants. Have they made the grant system simpler now for people to access? Um, the, well, the, grant, the, the, the grants are um, issued by the Department of uh, Housing Planning Local Government and all the information is available there online. It's read, readily accessible. Um, and there's a mapping system in support of the scheme I just referred to so you can find out with an air, an air code whether you, 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 you're in those areas and so on. And then they're administered by the local authority. So if people are interested, uh, check out the department's website um, and the local authority then for further inquiries. And I know there's been a lower inspections this year because of COVID, but were you surprised at the, at the rates or are, are you happy at how people are adhering to the laws around keeping their septic tanks in check? Well, as we, as we said, the, 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 the compliance rate is, is poor, really. The 54% of systems are failing. Um, so that just that, that, that's clearly there, there are difficulties. And there so is do you feel people are ignoring compliance. the advice? Um, well, the, there isn't sufficient compliance with the with the requirements that are there in relation to septic tanks in terms of maintaining them, um, in terms of maintaining them on an ongoing basis, and then some of these more serious issues um, such as ponding and so on, and this mm. is turning up in the inspections each year. So it is a very it's a poor compliance rate, fifty four percent failure rate. Sorry, it's a fifty four percent failure rate, and that's consistent, you know. And how do you do you go back again and inspect it? Like if you fail somebody, do you go back in and check it again that they have carried out the works, or, or how does that work then? Yeah, local authorities complete the inspections and they, they issue that advisory notice that I referred to. Hmm. And but do they go back and uh, check? Depending, you, you, you get the notice, but do they go back and yeah, check? Yeah, it it'll, it'll depend on the, the nature of the corrective action. So if okay. it's simple dislodging or emptying of a septic tank, they may they may accept for somebody submitting a receipt showing that that was done by an authorised contractor. Uh, obviously, if it involves work and particularly if it involves grant aid, uh, it will be inspected. It'll be re-inspected to, to make sure the works were done correctly and, and, and so on. Okay, so they do follow up. But for the moment, yeah, uh, thanks Stephen for joining us uh, and we'll, we'll wait and see do the uh, compliance level, do they change over the next year or so. But thanks for joining us this morning on that. And epa.ie is your website if people want to check out the details we mentioned there. Thank you. Thank you very much. Stephen McCarthy there, an inspector with the Office of Environment Enforcement with the EPA uh, on how a number of home sewer systems again last year failed inspection. But he has mentioned there is grants available there and maybe things will improve. Uh, Your views are welcome. That always makes views when we discuss that situation from people who think it's unfair that they have to uh, go along, even though they could not be connected up to the public system that they uh, must pay for their own water and sewer system. But as he says, there is grants available as well for that. We always get mixed views when we discuss that situation. Your views are welcome. 1850 333333 Good morning, John Paul. And this is your final Garda file after 30 years. So we'll chat about that in a moment, but it's your final one. It is indeed, because I'm retiring, uh, John Paul, in three weeks' time. And um, I have been with Patricia, yourself, and John Green there for the last 30 years with this. I think in Ireland we're making our own bit of history, because as long as Garda radio programme 
presenter in Ireland and uh, we're mighty grateful to you and all the staff there for all the assistance you've given down through the years. Well our pleasure James and we thank you for joining us over the last 30 years and informing people of what's happening in the area and we'll have a chat about your 30 years shortly but first we will be starting with the crimes this week in the area and you want to start with incidents in Mill Street and Boherbui. That's right yeah uh, John Paul unfortunately um, the 30 years there's no, there's no week we didn't have a crime unfortunately and that's the sad reality of it but we had break-ins on the same date, on the 18th of June, at House at Ballyhoran, Boherbui, uh, and that was between 11.30am and 1.15pm. And it was also on the same date, and they are probably connected, John Paul, at Lacabon Mill Street, and that happened between 8.30 and 2pm, both on the one day, the 18th of June. So the guardian at Mill Street there would be anxious, or Boherbui would be anxious to hear of anyone investigating those two crimes. Also in Bandon, uh, Bandon last Sunday morning uh, at 3 a.m., uh, a shop at South Main Street in Bandon was entered. Uh, the owner heard noises downstairs at 3 a.m., so 3 a.m. is the time there. We can nail that one down. The front door was broken in that one, unfortunately. Smashed and injury gained, and a sum of money was taken, and the guy at Bandon would be anxious there. That South Main Street Bandon at 3 a.m. on Sunday last. And I heard you talking this morning, John Paul, about the scams and the texts and the Bank of Ireland uh, earlier. Yeah. And rightly so, we'll just remind people again, in the name of God tonight, because there's so many scams going on with fraud, especially since the COVID. Be careful out there, for God's sake. Links and all that, don't, unless you're 100% sure, link into any one of those. And telephone calls as well as coming about PPS's numbers and all that. That's, that's totally, all, the, all these things are fraud. Yeah, and just to ignore them. I know there's a lot of calls in the PPS one this week and a lot of texts regarding the Bank of Ireland's uh, text claiming uh, that right. you need to get onto them and click on the link and sort your account down. So beware of those. This week we're getting inundation with calls from people saying they're receiving the PPS and the Bank of Ireland text. So just be aware of that. And right. while it is your final guard of file after 30 years, I'll, I'll get to the changes you have seen yourself uh, over the time within the Gardaí. But first of all, James, I wanted to ask you, what drew you to become a member of Angarda Chicano. Where did the interest come from? Well, holy God, tonight, I tell you, I'm, I'm actually, I, John Paul, I just did a bit of a history, I suppose. I left school at 15. I'm, I'm born here in the UK Peninsula in West Clare. I left school at 15. Unfortunately, my father got sick. I was the oldest of the family, so I became a farmer between 15 and 18. Uh, at 18, I decided that I wasn't going to live in West Clare and I'd try something else. I had no living search, no junior search, nothing. So I applied for a job in the Irish Independent for a barman at the Court Hotel in Killarney. I ended up in Dublin, I ended up in Killarney, I ended up in Limerick and Kilkee here, my local town, Clare, a barman for three to four years. I then decided that uh, I met a fellow in Limerick who was a barman and he, he was very interested in joining the guards. He said, listen, he said, there's an exam coming up for the guards. He said, would you be interested in doing it with me? I hate to do it on my own. I said, I had no interest in joining the guards. I ended up going to Mongrel School in Limerick studying for Irish and maths night because I knew that that's become up there. I figured that the, the guard exam that year in 1982, early 82, would be the equivalent of the leaving service. So I said, to be a great test me. I ended up passing it and he ended up failing. I had no interest in joining the guard and lo and behold, I found myself at Temple Moor uh, within six months, three or four months later, uh, doing the guard. But you know, those two, those two uh, examples of being a farmer and a barman, when I joined the guard then, I can tell you, like, and, and talking to people out there now that might be early school leavers or, like, instance, John Paul, we have people wonder about their CAO and will they get the points and all that. Mm. There are so many ways of going into education now. And, you know, I, I'm using my own time, and that's over, you know, 40 years ago now as an example. But I think that being a farmer and a barman, 
show me two, give me two great sense of understanding and using discretion. Because John Paul, if you're at a fat, if you're at a mat selling cattle at 16, 17 years of age, you're in the baptism fire. If you're dealing with a, a, a person that's too much alcohol taken inside in a bar, you have to have skill sets. And I think those, those two skill sets to me greatly in the years to come but no interest in John the Gardens whatsoever no. and you ended up then becoming a guardie because of your friend who, who, did, who didn't make it in the exam but you, you mentioned that there working on the farm and uh, working in the bar you also were dealing with people on a daily basis regardless of throwing the motion out of the bar you're speaking to them so you're learning the art of conversation which is a very important art I think when it comes to any job and, and something uh, that people forget about these days when they're going uh, for an interview is, is the art of conversation discussing uh, a specific topic so you know that, that did work well for you within the Gardaí. Where did you start out, by the way? From Tippermore, you, you were sent somewhere for your yeah, first station. Dan Meyer was my first station. It's been two years in Dan Meyer, and next thing, my, Margaret and my wife, and we bought a site in Belgooly near Kinsale, and I got a, a transfer to Kinsale in 1984. I was in Kinsale for 11 years, very, very happy 11 years, may I say. And the Garda juvenile job came up in Bandon in 1995, and I was always interested in youth and dealing with youth. I was stuck in the athletic club in Kinsale, I suppose, in the youth club and all that when I was stationed down there. And um, I was called to schools, doing school talks and all that. So I became interested. I said, gee, this is, this is something for me. I, I wasn't interested in any other job within the job or promotion or anything like that. So I went for it and thankfully got the juvenile liaison job in Bandon for West Cork in 1995. And we mentioned there the various changes we have seen and you have seen in crime over the years. Just within the Gardaí, I mean, some would say it's a very different force now as things change every decade. Is that something you have seen over the years and how the force has changed from the way it operates to technology you use? Oh God, desperate changes altogether. 1982, right? And, and in 1982, when I joined, yeah, I have to remind especially in which the ridiculous act called the Homosexual Act was there, for instance. That was changed, thankfully, in the early 90s. So with a range of measures there that was totally draconian stuff altogether, going back, I suppose, maybe to the foundation of the state, etc. So some of the laws changed, and for the better, thank God for that. Uh, I suppose modern technology has thrown a fierce amount of Social media has played a huge role and will play a huge role going forward. Technical stuff in the guards now, scenes of crime. We're more, I suppose, we've more um, units now out there than ever before. And I suppose, like, you know, the, the, the amount of changes, all of them, may I say, have been good. We have victim support officers now abandoned with Geraldine and, and Alex and I Watson saying that the victims of crime, victims of thing, we have to think of, I called out those housebreakings now, earlier, for instance. They need support. They need, you know, and the victim support officers could be contacting them, etc. So it's a huge, huge area that we have massive changes, all for the better, may I say. All for the better, I'd say. So, and, and, but again, I do feel I'm leaving the guards now. And I do feel, I'd say one thing, Gabby has to have discretion. Like, you know, has to have discretion. And I think you need to have discretion, understanding, and at times sympathy. Because things aren't always black and white. You know, and yeah. I, I, I have to say that. Yeah, and on about black and white, crime has changed so much over the time you've, and you were involved with the Guardian. I mean, we're, we mentioned there uh, from what's happening on your doorstep to what's happening online. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the social, I, I, I couldn't emphasise enough, but the bullying, for instance, online now is absolutely huge altogether, like, you know. Um, it's it absolutely, uh, you know, I, meet, I was meeting in my job every day, like I was meeting, uh, used to, drugs has definitely increased, of all types of drugs. Alcohol is in there as well, drugs and alcohol. 
you put one against the other like that, mm. they're both hand in hand. But we, you know, myself and my colleague Don Davis, who's based in Bantry there, Don and myself, a uh, thing that I'd like to see going forward, and not for me to have got now, but restorative justice. I'm a big believer in restorative justice, and we, we myself and Don pioneered there for a while together, and I'd like to see more of that being used where you victim and offender meeting together. Now, that won't suit in all cases, may I say, but there's a certain amount of cases there that it works, and it, and it works very, very well. And you would like to see more of that imp- implemented across the state? Oh, God, I would, yeah. Mm. I think that restorative justice is totally undervalued, and I think that more resources, more personnel needs to be put into that scene. I, I think it's very, very important that that's... That, I, I think restorative... The word restorative is restoring something that's done. I think it gives people, and victims especially, power. And I think that's something great. Not all the clients, of course, will suit this, and not all people will want to take part in it. I understand that. But there, there is a percentage there that will and, and do. And myself and Don, in our experimentation, used to, used to see that coming through also West Cork when we done it. Something I've picked up from you over the years, James, and I've worked with you with the West Cork Youth Awards. You have a huge interest in young people and you want the best for them. And some people might be in a situation whereby they're going down the wrong road. You always see the best in young people and bring them on that right track. And you are one of the ones that got involved and started up the West Cork Youth Awards, which in the last few years have gone national and have recognised the good work that young people have done and changed many in society. You must be delighted the way that has worked out for from a regional award scheme over the years to becoming nationwide? Oh, God, I did. Uh, absolutely, John Paul. I, I figured out that young people are totally unvalued, uh, not recognised, and that's why I started that West Cork in 1995. It's gone national. I'm very happy to say we're, we started in 1995, started in 95, but it's gone national. And it's gone national too, to, to, thankfully, to the Guardian, West Cork, and Damien White. They're the community guardians, the Chief Superintendent Con Cadigan, uh, Don Davis, Niall Crowley, and then at national level, thankfully, Deputy Commissioner Anne-Marie McMahon had a huge influence there on promoting that to a national level. Now, it's in every division in the country. There's thousands being recognised every year. Uh, and there are different categories. But the category I like most, John Paul, is the special achievement. Those young people who may have disabilities, those young people who have overcome great obstacles in their life. And, uh, and you have been, thankfully, you were, you thought yourself, you were one of the judges there one the year. We got you one of the judges, we had different judges every year, but you were one of the judges, and it plays a huge effect in young people, giving them a bit of self-esteem, giving them a bit of their way forward, and more importantly, I suppose, good for the, good for the old CV as well, uh, John Paul. And don't forget one time, a major uh, executive rang me about oh, that somebody had was nominated. You don't even have to win the fact he was nominated in the CV and he gave him the job because based on the voluntary work he was doing outside of what he was doing. So, yeah, it, I'm very, very happy with that now. I'm very happy and I'd like to thank all my colleagues, those I mentioned there, and who've given a great help both in West Cork and indeed to an international level. We've spoken to many people, James, on this show over the years, uh, mainly broadcasters who are retiring, but others in different sectors as well. And when we asked them, will you miss it? Some say they will, some say no, they've interviewed everybody, they've done as much as they can, it's time for a change. Will you miss your daily role within the Gardaí? I, I, I won't, and I'll tell you why. I suppose I'm nearly 40 years. I was supposed to retire last year, and with the COVID, they, people were, were asked to stay on. I decided, yes, I'm going to stay on, and 60, well, be 61 now, uh, in the July. And I stayed on for the 12 months, and it was going to be great fast, actually. But I wish an organisation, I can say, that was, uh, I suppose, 10 years, 11 years ago, called Conceal Youth Support Services. I live outside Conceal. And we look at mental health, and we have a great worker down there, Chair Rice, and we have a great... 
set of volunteers down there as well as not fact the recruiting of our family support worker and Tulsa recently uh, asked me to do a project uh, a three year pilot project for the Kinsale Banyan area based on young people's families mental health uh, and therapeutic services and I've taken that on now for 20 hours a week so I'm still going to be dealing with young people but only for three days a week and I'm very very happy with that I'm very happy with what I, well, you know, my career in the guards I'm very happy with the for- last 40 years may I say very very happy I'm, I'm glad would you ask me, would I be a farmer or would I be a barman? Mm. Again, the answer would be no. I'm very happy with I have no regrets, thank God. And I don't think anybody should have regrets if at all possible. It's moving on to the future, moving on to a different level. As long as you have to jump on, I think that's the key to this. Uh, you'll overcome anything after that. You know? And outside of your work there with Case of the Youth Services in Kinsale, what else is going to be contained for, for James after get the Gardaí? Well, one of my great passions, of course, thankfully, is, and again, it is a fluke. I, I, I enjoy running athletics. I've been involved in athletics all my life. I've run, I'm still running, thank God, three or four days a week. I'm a member of the State Ramblers Walking Club, and I like it a bit of reading. And I, I suppose a bit more time to myself, too, to be fair about it. I think that's important as well in family and all that. Like, I think that's, that's, that's the key to it. A mixture of, I think in life, we have to mix it a small bit, uh, business and pleasure at times, St. John Paul. Very true and I think a lot of people will be thinking that way after Covid uh, they'll be looking at the work-life balance in a big way uh, James a lot of texts in from people who say they've heard your voice on and off the radio over the last 30 years you were just a voice in the background for some and for others you helped them with queries they had in regards to the Gardaí Corner uh, thank you for everything James one texter says you helped him a number of years ago with a situation in Clonakilty and Anne says again like the other texter you've been a voice over the last 30 years on and off and it's uh, sad to hear you go but best of luck for the future some of the comments in and a lot of your colleagues are wishing you well as well James so uh, from all of us here at C103 thank you for your involvement on this show over the last 30 years I know Patricia uh, will pass it on as well to you and everybody that has worked on the show over the last uh, 30 years here in our studios in Mallow and Bandon Thank you very much indeed Park it's been a pleasure for me as well and thanks to everyone that texted in as well greatly appreciate it and best of luck James for the future take care Thank you. Bye-bye, John. That is, for the final time, Garda James O'Mahony, uh, who's retiring from the force uh, from Kinsale Garda Station, joining us with this week's Garda File. Our lines are open, 1850-333-103. Bernie taking your comments across the afternoon. Or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And we spoke there just before midday on our Garda File for the final time on his Garda File, uh, Garda James O'Mahony from Kinsale Garda Station, who has been presenting the Garda File for the last 30 years on this station with Patricia and John and myself and as we all wish him best of luck a number of people have been on to wish James the very best uh, Michael says may I wish Garda James O'Mahony a very happy retirement he was a really positive Garda and always very approachable a great career says Michael while Damien White uh, from Bandon Garda Station on behalf of all the Gardaí across West Cork best of luck on his retirement and thanks for being a great role model uh, says uh, Damien White a Garda based in Bandon Garda Station and all the best to James that's coming in from Paddy and Elizabeth and Hannah is in Cullen uh, listening to what James was saying there he, she says James is full of common sense and best of luck in his retirement and many thanks for his service while Cullen in Buttevant says James is a great man has done a lot 
not for West Cork he will be a great loss to the youth of Ireland says Colm in Buttevant and at least anyhow he is staying with the youth services within Kinsale so he'll be serving the youth of that area and thank you for your comments regarding Garda James O'Mahony retiring from on Garda Shikona and his last Garda file with us on this Thursday now other comments coming into the show and a lot of commentary coming in regarding Fair City and if you watch Fair City you'll be well aware of the storyline in relation to uh, the trial which is going on well it finished last night but this was because of the domestic abuse being shown towards Cristiano being abused by Will it went on for a number of months on the show it went to court last night or the court for the last few nights and the final decision was aired last night but a lot of people felt it was the wrong decision and a lot of people are shocked at the no guilty verdict that came out on the soap last night they feel when it comes to domestic abuse it's sending the wrong storyline out for those who are in that current situation on this Mary says I watched Fair City last night I was disgusted with the court case results it doesn't doubt the wrong message it was a slap in the face for any person suffering domestic abuse thrown out of the country don't let that result stop anyone being abused to seek help or justice there is a better result to be got says Mary in Kildallery who says uh, that she won't be watching for City ever again I do presume it's because of that episode last night Mary thank you for your text to 0862103103 while Tom says last night's court verdict in Fair City is definitely sending out the wrong message to abuse victims even if the decision is overturned on appeal as many people will not be reluctant to go through the hassle or the fear of not being believed. And that's true. And this was something that came up earlier on the show, even though they go ahead uh, with the programme for ratings I would presume and keep this storyline going on because people are enthralled on it and they'll have an appeal uh, Tom is right for those in a real life situation uh, they may be reluctant to go ahead and go through the hassle and going through the fear of not being being believed after a no guilty verdict on the soap last night uh, Tom thank you for your text to 0862103103 and a person here who texts in who says as an older woman in my 60s who lived with a bully after looking at last night's first city I certainly would not go to court with a bully last night sent out the very wrong message to anyone being bullied I'm really disgusted with it I know it will go on and he will slip up and eventually be found guilty but real life is not like that once beaten in court you will not go back the wrong message to people who've been bullied take for instance should the bully move to another town or maybe another country, he's free to do it again. And what about the victim who's gone through so much pain and losses uh, due to losing the court case? In the end, it could end up a very different story for the victim, says uh, that lady who has lived, as she says herself, with a bully and her uh, opinion on the Fair City storyline last night. And it would appear people are shocked at the storyline because of the not guilty verdict. No, uh, more than likely will go on and go on for the uh, viewers and for the ratings but a lot of people feel it just is sending out the wrong signal and we spoke about roads earlier on and the condition of our roads and is that why the council are receiving higher uh, claims and paying out compensation because of road and footpath conditions across the county well on that Jonathan Bally Desmond he says John Paul you were speaking about the roads Bally Desmond village is gone very bad Cork County Council have half the village done and we are waiting nearly one year 
to do the second half. You might push that to Cork County Council, says John in Bally Desmond. While earlier Anne was on to us from Clonakilty, she lives in the ring area of Clon and she uh, was reacting to Councillor Joe Carroll when he mentioned that we have good engineers in this county. Anne says she thinks differently because of the works that were carried out on the road to ring from Clonakilty Town. If you are aware of the area, you'll know the road was redone and there were stone walls put up. Uh, but many residents in the area of Ring and those who use that road felt the road was too narrow and now two tractors can't pass together. So on that, uh, Anne was making her judgments on the works done. Well, this person has come back and said, Anne, you should be an engineer. There are a few jobs going in County Hall. Apply straight away, says this person, because Anne seems to know everything about how a road network should go. And on the issue of septic tanks and the EPA inspections we spoke about earlier, a number of homes failing that inspection when it comes to uh, septic tanks and the leaking from septic tanks. Uh, this person says, when you brought your house first day from the council, uh, the council fitted the septic tank, but in my situation, uh, they fitted the septic tank incorrectly the first day. Uh, so, what's th- in my situation, how does that work? Well, if yeah, I can see what you're saying, but if you brought the house it bought the house even from the council then it's now your house and even though they fitted it incorrectly the wrong day it more than likely will be left to you to sort that if it is causing a problem for you uh, it's something maybe the engineer should have spotted if you were buying a house usually you get an engineer's report and they check everything out and maybe they should have spotted that if there was something wrong with the septic tank uh, I'm not too sure of your uh, situation 100% on that but I, if you bought the house from the council now it more than likely is your uh, issue but I see what you're saying the council should have it correct first day anyhow before selling the house but then and they might come back saying your engineer should have spotted that. Uh, which, regarding the same issue on septic tanks, a person here says the local authorities should start out the sewerage system in their own towns first before they go checking private homes. And someone who is against septic tank inspections, this person says there will be no inspection on my septic tank. Uh, the inspector or anybody will not be allowed in. It's private property. If anybody is coming into my land, they'll be leaving in an ambulance, says the texter. While another person says I live in rural Ireland and I see farmers spreading slurry in the wet that washes into the streams and rivers worse than any septic tank always the ordinary person and small person the rules apply to but not the big guys says that person on WhatsApp it's 86 and John is in Blackpool he says his friends uh, there there's an overflow from their tank in the Rattic now it's constantly pumping out water. Now she's been on to the city council uh, for the last one and a half years, but nothing has been done. So it's filling up the tank that is, but the water is overflowing from the tank and causing a leak. Uh, he's one. Now I'm not too sure if it's a council home or not, uh, but he's wondering should she contact Irish Water. Uh, well, if the council aren't doing anything for her, and, and again, I, I don't know if it's a council house or is it her own house, I would contact Irish Water and I can see another text. We are looking for the number for Irish Water. We'll get that to you very shortly, uh, that number for you. But will be, if she's having no luck with the council, I would advise her if, if she does think it is an Irish Water problem. Uh, but if it's something in the attic it might be a plumber she'll need if it's a private house uh, if it's not a council house it's a it's a plumber she'll need to come out and a plumber will have to go up and uh, look and see what the problem is why the tank is overflowing uh, and thank you for your call John our text to 0862103103 and on the vaccines 
a lot of people reacting to our story earlier on. This is from the Fianna Fáil meeting last night uh, where it said the exchanges were hostile at this meeting but one idea came from the youngest TD in Dáil Éireann that is Cork East TD James O'Connor. He said that he is worried about vaccine hesitancy among young people and called on the government to give €150 to each person born since 1996 to entice them to get vaccinated. Well on this uh, there's been mixed views all morning on this and more people are against it than for it but Caroline says my sons believe in the vaccine they are in their 20s I certainly would not agree with paying young people to be vaccinated it's self-responsibility says Caroline on text while another person says whoever said give money to the young oh my god if that's the case give it to all people that got vaccinated I lost a day's work over getting the vaccine Earlier on, we heard from people who said, you know, if you're going to be giving money to a certain age cohort for vaccines, why not give it to all? Or why not give it to those in their 60 to 69 age group who had to wait for over 12 weeks to get their second jab? Eddie is abandoned. He says his cousin in Australia says things are a mess there. Only 3% of people have been vaccinated in his area or his state in Australia. People are afraid to take the AstraZeneca and there is real hesitancy in Australia over that. But Eddie says that is why they are back in lockdown. Australia and New Zealand are being portrayed as being way ahead of us with dealing with the crisis, but they are not. Look at pictures from Sydney this morning. The streets are empty. Uh, thank you, Eddie in Bandon. And yeah, I saw those pictures this morning and an area... If you were ever in Australia, if you lived there, if you visited your son or daughter or whoever over there and you were lucky enough to travel to Australia, you'd be very aware if you did go, most people do uh, visit the city of Sydney and you'd be very aware of the area around Sydney Opera House and the Harbour Bridge area. It's called Circular Quay. The restaurants there that are along looking over the harbour, they're empty and they're usually a very busy spot with tourists social distancing a lot more in the last year, obviously enough, or two years nearly at this stage, but they're empty. It's like the way things were here back in March 2020. Uh, so yeah that's the reality uh, as Eddie's cousin is saying what is happening in Australia Elaine is in Buttevant and she is saying uh, when we're talking about young people getting vaccinated she knows of nowhere uh, where the vaccine has been offered to young people not as yet but that portal will open shortly for those uh, in their 20 to 29 age group as at the moment they are doing 30 to 39 and in some areas of Cork not all but I know in West Cork, those from the age of 35 to 39 and 39 to 38-year-olds have been getting texts to go along and avail of their vaccine. And other areas in the city are also getting texts. Uh, I, I know we got a call from Fermoy and Butterfants and the Mitchellstown areas where they hadn't got texts as yet. But certainly in the areas of Cork City and Mid Cork and West Cork, people are receiving their texts in their 30s. That is 35 plus. But over time, it, it will, Portal will go uh, for all ages uh, but at the moment it does seem to be a regional thing and hopefully that will improve over the next few weeks Eileen and Buttevant Frank is in Bantier and Frank is asking how much are the HSC paying for the GA or to the GA for the use of their facilities for the vaccinations it's something surely uh, that will have to be looked into and we spoke with Father Michael earlier and this was to do with communions and Leo in Douglas feels it's a sad day that the young people and the children of this country are not receiving their hope 
Holy Communion but Betty is in Mallow and Betty said she was delighted to hear Father Michael on the show but also sad to hear that we were the last country to open up for religious services and on the issue of sport and this was an earlier text from someone not happy that the GAA got a number of grants and funding during Covid for the organisation but if this person wants to go along to the match on Saturday night where Cork are taking on Limerick and over 2,000 hurling fans will be allowed into Simple Stadium they will have to pay uh, the earlier texter felt it was wrong since they got funding during Covid well Mick is in St Luke's he says the Munster hurling and Linster hurling this weekend the GAA have sold the rights to Sky Sports but not everyone has Sky Sports the GAA is held together by volunteers and amateur players and the GAA have sold their soul for 30 pieces of silver says Mick in St Luke's and yet a lot of people never happy when they have to look at Sky for their own GA matches at the end of the day it's our national sport and you have to watch a channel that's broadcasting out of London uh, to avail of your national sport now I know the, the teams are based in the grounds but the signal itself physically is coming from London so even though they are at the grounds, whether that be Parky Cueve or Simple Stadium or wherever, it's still a channel that has operated uh, with their services out of London. So I can see people's annoyance at that and also away from that whole situation, you must pay uh, to view Sky Sports. So uh, that is annoying when it is, again, a, a sport that is held together by volunteers and the players are playing on a voluntary capacity. I know people will text in and say they get money for expenses, but still they're physically going to the pitch on a voluntary capacity and how some of your calls and texts to 0862103103 and just one here on CCTV your view on this and it comes in from Denise on WhatsApp who says I wonder what people think of the city and county councils installing CCTV monitors in public car parks Denise's car was very badly scraped in the last two days when parked up. I am retracing my steps to try and find out who that mean person was who did that and has now left me with a bill of probably several hundred euros. I was told by a city council employee that there are none installed. There would be absolutely no funding for that in the future. And also with the GDPR, there would be problems associated with it. She also said that she reckons many people would be against CCTV. My answer to that is if you do nothing wrong and behave in a responsible manner you would have no reason to fear CCTV in public parks says Denise and yet there was a big problem with CCTV in towns. People were against this. They did not want themselves being filmed while walking up the town with their shopping and others had no issue with it as you say Denise. If you have nothing to hide well what then is the worry? Your view on CCTV 1850 text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and the same number for your questions for Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket who will answer your pet questions and join us shortly. The C103 Cork Diary With the new Explore Cork app a Cork County Council initiative featuring over 850 places to see and things to do. Kildallery Community Development will hold their weekly lotto draw. That's going ahead at four o'clock this afternoon in the community office. And this week's jackpot is €2,200. And this week's books for the Kildallery Home Bingo. They're on sale from the usual outlets. And this week's snowball prize is €200. And Focus Ireland have organised a Coron Tool Hike 2021. It's planned for a Sunday 29th of August. It's a chance to raise funds for Focus Ireland and also to challenge yourself and 
hike the highest point in Ireland. If you want to register, go along and email them. And the email is events at focusireland.ie. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 And regarding the situation with the road in Ring and Fields, it wasn't resurfaced, wasn't built correctly when they redone that area of Clonakilty. Another person had a different view, but William lives in Ring and he says Anne is 110% right in regards to that local road. The engineers don't know a thing. Uh, Tony is in Glengariff. He says the grass on the verges are being cut from Crookston up to Cork City. Is there one law for the council and another for the ordinary people? Uh, with regards to that, I know we're in the season where you can't cut hedges, but if they are dangerous for road users, as in those people who were coming out at the junctions there of Cladove and Arhala and Crookstown, they are allowed to cut the hedging if they prove difficult for road users or could lead to an accident and obviously that stretch of road has a lot of uh, by roads coming out onto the main in 22 and also on the other side of the road from uh, Coachford, Fernands and those areas and Liam is in Brough and he agrees with the person we had on earlier that the GA have sold their soul with the new hurling rules it would be more like soccer and they will set off this everything else that the stock market Liam uh, feels in uh, Brough and the Fair City storyline that we were speaking about earlier. Uh, People have mixed views on this. Well, uh, this person says no. It's not sending out the wrong message that your listeners are saying. This is not sending out the wrong message to victims. It's showing victims the true Irish court and law system. And that could be the reality of it, says that text there. And on the slurry tank, spot on there, John Paul, with regards to the comments that the listener texts in regarding septic tanks. Slurry is the bigger problem. Couldn't finish my walk yesterday evening. The smell would knock you dead. And nothing happening there with the laws, health and safety or the environmental groups all keeping their trap shut. No change at all until 2024 or 2025. Where are all the young Greta Thunbergs now? Not a peekaboo, says that person on WhatsApp to 0862103103. Anita Scotter is the Munster organiser for Ografina Fall. He joins me on the line, on the comment line this afternoon. Good morning or good afternoon to you, Anilis. Good afternoon, yourself, John Paul. Thanks for having me on. And thanks for contacting us. You text us in just regarding the announcement this week on the delay in indoor dining and the effects this is having on young people. Would you agree with your Cork East Deputy James O'Connor, who did come out last night within that Fianna Fáil Parliamentary Party meeting? He feels that this decision has failed young people. And also now there's to be some monetary scheme in place when a young person receives the vaccine. Well, look, I think I think what government and I suppose Netflix came out with um, was disappointing. It was, um, in my opinion, very unfair and I suppose dis- discriminatory um, on young people. Like I think it pitted the vaccinated people who'd be the old age cohort against young people who are relatively unvaccinated. Um, and like I think young people from the start had all bought into this social contract of I suppose we're all in this together. And I think if what governments and effort came out with is definitely going to go ahead. That I think that's very much broken, and I think young people are disillusioned, including myself. Um, and I'd actually be myself and adding on what James saying, but I'd be calling for the vaccine portal to be open for the 18 to 35 year old age cohort. Um, like I just think it's the fairest way to go. I think young people have had such a burden with the with COVID and I look I just think now is the time for them to take the vaccine if they so please. 
And regarding the vaccine portal, if that was to open, would you agree, would you be happy to get money for a vaccine or is there hesitancy in your age group? Because James O'Connor says that there could be. Uh, we haven't got evidence of that here from callers this morning. Are you hearing that on the ground there? Well, look, I think young people are just dying to get the vaccine. My own self, like, I think a, a late poll came out there recently saying, oh, I think was it over 90% of young people were willing to take the vaccine. I think they just want to get back to their normal life, back to, back to their job, be a part of a full-time, back to socialising, meeting up with people. And I, look, I think really they'll take the vaccine. And look, I don't know, will a, a tokenistic thing like it really bother them in that sense? I just think they want to get the vaccine. They want to get it done. They want to be able to move on with, you know, what life was like pre-COVID. And when you hear Neffet coming out to the opposition parties and they're showing them the graphs and now the opposition parties are looking at the Delta variant and what could happen here in Ireland and they have said, while they were critical initially, looking at what Neffet is saying and looking at what Professor Philip Nolan has issued last night on Twitter, people are saying maybe this is the right decision and maybe Delta could have a negative impact if we go too fast on opening indoor dining. Uh, as a member of Fianna Fáil, do you feel that Michal Martin did make the right decision looking at this or are you still going against what they have done? Well, actually, over Fianna Fáil, we've written to Minister Stephen Donnelly calling for a meeting. And I suppose within that letter, we've asked, you know, that there'd be an, in- an independent third party would look into the statistical model that NEFIS advised the government on and opposition parties. We just want it more scrutinised, I suppose. Um, look, you know, more, um, another... Know, third pair of eyes looking into it, you know, really scrutinising, looking into the figures, more medical experts. Um, and, you know, I just think that's what Ogre is calling for. And Fianna Fáil are in government. And are you disappointed with the decisions they have made over the last few months when it does come to COVID? And when you hear the response from young people on the delay in vaccines, and while some will have to work, work away within a restaurant while they physically can't be indoors. Are, are you disappointed with how it was run, even though you are Fianna Fáil? What I've been disappointed with, I suppose, is the decision that came out a few days ago. Because, because I said it, it, it was really unfair on young people because they've taken the burden of the virus, of the, the, you know, they've taken a massive hit from the virus. And I suppose to ask young people to either, you know, serve people unvaccinated, you know, young people serve, young people being unvaccinated, serving in a restaurant. Hmm being asked to serve people who are fully vaccinated just isn't right. And I suppose that's where I am, you know, you know, really would hope that the vaccine portal for that 18 to 35 year old cohort would be open, you know, so that they're given that opportunity, just like everyone else, just like they were all equal, you know, which yeah. was the ethos the whole way out through which was beat us the whole way through. It's not an equal playing field at the moment that it's not your fault the age you were, that is the age you were, but you cannot get access to a vaccine. So because of your age, you won't be able to go in a few weeks' time. Anyway, hopefully when they do open indoor dining, you won't be able to attend. And it's just splitting society. Regardless of the vaccine situation, it's the fact that you can't get access to your vaccine. Yes, I, I agree with what you said. Um, and I, I, I think, you know, so far, young people as a whole... They've bought into everything and, you know, they've been 100% on the team going forward, abiding mm. by what they've been told by government and efforts. And I think this is, you know, it's just the wrong decision because from what I'm hearing from young people and, you know, Ogre, which represents young people at the parties, you know, people are just going to get left behind and people are going to, um, you know, in a sense, maybe socialise in other set, you know, settings where 
where they could be in a dining, where they could be dining in a regulated environment um, where, you know, the hospitality sector are excellent at it. Um, and it's just, in my opinion, unfair. And just putting politics aside for a moment, just on people who are in their 20s and who would be used to going out with college friends and going out with uh, friends outside of college and enjoying life like everybody does when they're in their early 20s or across their 20s. How are you and your your mates getting on with all of this? It's been a very tough year for everybody, but uh, for you, do you feel you've lost some of your life, you've lost some of uh, what you hear from maybe your older friends of going travelling across the country, going travelling to Australia, America and living life and going out and having that Thursday night student life out or the Tuesday nights out and, and that great party effect that so many people have had uh, over the last 10 or 20 years. Yeah, there's definitely that feeling, John Paul. Like, you know, you've the like of the 18th, 21st, you know, graduations. I suppose, you know, people who are in college, the college nights out, you know, kind of momentous life occasions that have been missed out and look while outdoor dining has opened and you know it's it's great to see young people back socializing meeting up outdoor dining we feel that they, they shouldn't be discriminated against because of their age in relation to indoor dining yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see what happens. I have to leave it there. But, Anitas, thanks for joining us this afternoon with your viewpoint on that. And it would seem everybody within governments on whatever side they're with and within Leinster House in the opposition benches have mixed views on the whole situation. But we thank you for contacting us this afternoon. Neilis Kosha there, who is the Munster organiser with Ogre Fina Falls. So a lot of different viewpoints on that. You can see the viewpoint from younger people and staying with that and the vaccine rollout. JP, this person says I registered for the vaccine on the 1st of June I'm 61, I've got no text yet I have rung the HSC three times and they have escalated my reg but still no appointment and then I hear that 35 to 39, 39 year olds are getting called for their vaccine, very frustrating says that person. On septic tanks, uh, this person says my neighbour has a septic tank not connected to the, to the mains and it stinks and I'm living here a long time I contact the Cork County Council and they told me me approach my neighbour but I do not wish to fall out with my neighbour over this but the smell can be awful at times especially on these fine days says Caroline and the listener in Kerry says Hi John Paul on giving money to those to get the vaccine maybe the government should think about the senior citizens when giving up money we are forgotten the last five euro increase was nearly three years ago and in the meantime the cost of living has increased and politicians pay knows no boundaries says the Kerry listener and and that lady who has the problem in erratic John and Blackpool for your neighbour a number of people have been on to say you will need a plumber it looks like the stop float in the water tank is broken uh, so uh, we would advise her uh, to contact a plumber if it's her own private home we thank you for your calls on 1850 333 103 Cork today on C103 call Patricia with your comment 1850 333 103 and Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group joins me this afternoon good afternoon to you Jane good afternoon John Paul and a lot of questions in. We get straight to them, Jane, this afternoon. And first of all, this is Mary in Bantry. Mary has a Jack Russell. Now, her Jack Russell is one and a half years old, but has yet not been neutered. Some people, though, when he meets them, he nips at their heels. Now, not for everybody, but for some. So what is the solution? Uh, she's afraid that he might bite somebody. 
Okay. So there's, there's, I think, two, two things here that maybe need to be dealt with. Um, if he's a year and a half and he's still an entire male, so an uncastrated male, in the normal course of events, I would normally advise the first step would be castration. Um, so not only from a behavioural point of view, but from a health point of view. Um, I suppose first and foremost, we know statistically that castrated males are less likely to die in a road traffic accident on the road because they roam a little bit less further from home looking for the ladies. So that's a good thing. But also from the health benefit point of view, it reduces their risk of prostate disease later on in life. And it obviously eliminates their risk of testicular cancer later in life. So it is a really good thing to do. Now, the one caveat to that is if he is a very nervous dog, um, so very nervous and fearful, then it would be worth discussing with your own vet um, who has experience of dealing with him, but also maybe with a, a clinical behaviourist, whether castration is the best thing to do. So in 99 times out of 100, I'd say castration is a good thing to do. But if they are very fearful, that tiny little bit of testosterone that they get from being uncastrated, so being an entire male can sometimes help them a little bit to be a tiny bit braver while they gain kind of more social skills and more confidence with people. Now, this is in the absolute minority. Um, but if he is nipping at people's heels, I suppose the one thing I'd just be uh, having in the back of my head, well, is this that he's kind of engaging in kind of aggressive or herding behavior? Um, in which case I would say you need to do some work with a behaviorist and you need to do some training of your dog to try and keep everybody safe. And obviously I know you're concerned about him, him biting people. Um, and that is really a major concern from a safety point of view. Um, but I suppose if you feel that he is a very otherwise nervous and fearful dog before going for castration, I would discuss it with your own vet who knows him a little bit better than I would know. Um, but also a behaviorist potentially that they may be able to recommend um, to see if there's any work that might need to be done in advance of that. Um, what I would say is as a temporary measure, the best thing to do is to always make sure that he's kept on a, a lead and a solid lead, not a stretchy kind of retractable lead whenever he's around people or other dogs, because that way you have a lot more control over him. And he'll also probably feel a bit more secure knowing that he's with you. Um, so it limits his access to be able to, let's say, nip at people's heels or, or God forbid, bite anyone. So I think it really needs some work. He probably needs to be socialized and encounter in a safe and controlled manner more, more let's say, strangers as lockdown lifts now um, so that he's, he doesn't um, engage in kind of any aggression towards, towards strangers. Um, and that can be a difficult habit to break, particularly if they have started showing a bit of aggression. Mm. So it's, it's a bit of a complex one. You need to take it further, but speak to your own vet. Okay, hopefully that helps you, Mary, there in Bantry. And this is more a, a question to do with vets in general, Jane, for you. This is to do with uh, animal treatment. And if someone finds a dog or an animal knocked down on the road and they have to take the animal to the vet for treatment, uh, is there a cost or do vets have a duty of care towards a found animal? Okay, so this is this is actually a complex one. So as vets, we have a duty of care to provide pain relief and emergency care. Now, what we would normally say is that that extends to, let's say, emergency treatment and pain relief. And obviously, as vets, we want to be able to do what we can to keep that pet comfortable. But we are bound by um, we are bound by a number of legal problems with associated with, let's say, providing care to a dog that is not, let's say, known to us by a, by an owner. 
um, but also in in the case that we we have to have consent for the things that we do on a non-emergency basis. So we are a little bit limited in what we can do, um, apart from providing um, obviously emergency care and pain relief. And that's the important thing, I suppose. If you're good enough to to bring a dog into into a vet, the first the first thing I would say is if you find a dog knocked down on the road, ring your vet before you arrive because it allows us to prepare things that will be able to help you and help the dog so give us a heads up rather than just landing on because it means that everything's a bit more efficient and and we can help that dog quicker um but also just just be aware that you know we do have some restrictions on what we can do in that situation but we'll always do our best to help now it is best if you find let's say a dog roaming or if a, a dog is injured but not seriously to let your vet know but really the obligation would fall upon, let's say, the dog warden or in the cases of, let's say, um, where cruelty might be a, a consideration, um, the ISPCA. So sometimes your vet may direct you to contact them in the first case. It really is very much based on the individual case, um, but it's a really interesting question and it's not at all a, a clear cut thing. It's a very complex situation when it happens. Ollie is in Dramahan. Ollie has a Burmese mountain dog. Now, they got the dog trimmed for the hot weather, uh, but he now has two patches on his back that have not grown back, uh, but the rest has. So what could have caused this? Oh, that's interesting. Is, does it say what age our dog is? No, don't have the age of no. the dog okay. here, so I'm not that's sure. Okay. Yeah, so it could just be that uh, for one reason or another, he might have been, let's say, scratching at the area that can sometimes reduce down the hair growth. And then you would wonder, well, is there a source of itch? Have you seen him itching himself off things or rubbing his back off things? And that might, might let's say, trigger a thought that, well, is there, is there an underlying issue? If he was a little bit older, sometimes slow hair growth or patchy hair growth or even hair loss can indicate to us um, a hormonal problem. So it really would depend. That's generally a middle-aged to older dog. So if it was a young dog, that would not be something that would be on our radar. Um, I think really the main the main things I would be suggesting are that it's probably something that's either stopping the hair growth or slowing the hair growth, or he might be breaking the hair in that area. So whether it's uh, something within the body that's reducing down the hair growth, like hormones, or whether he's scratching away that hair so it's not growing at the same rate as the rest of the body. Because normally our hair all over the body should grow at a similar rate after grooming. So it is a little bit unusual. Um, so if you have concerns and you, if let's say the skin underneath the area seems to be in any way un, unusual or different from the rest of the body, then it would warrant an examination by the vet. And certainly if he was, let's say, middle aged to older, it's something I would definitely flag with your vet because blood testing to just assess for hormonal causes of, of reduced hair growth will be will be the best thing. And Emer is in Carrigaline. She wants to know, giving dogs ice cream, is this good or bad? Her five-year-old daughter gave uh, their pet dog ice cream yesterday. He's fine. He ate it all. Uh, but is it advisable to give dogs ice cream? Mm, he'd probably be fine, but it's not something I'd advise every day. Um, it's not the worst thing in the world. I think the one word of caution I'd give is that a lot of ice creams, they're, they're cream-based by their very nature, and that's very fatty. And we do know that, let's say, dogs and cats are very much creatures of habit. They don't crave novelty and having, let's say, different snacks every day like we do as humans. So for them, having a very fatty snack out of the blue, their digestive systems are not really set up to be able to cope with that. And certainly very fatty foods can even trigger off um, dangerous diseases like pancreatitis, where one of the glands in the body gets quite irritated and inflamed um, as a result sometimes of, of ingestion of very fatty foods is one of the reasons that can happen and that can be very serious. 
it's not something I would advise to be doing every day. If they happen to have the odd sneak of a lick of an ice cream, it's not the worst thing in the world um, for, for a dog. For a cat, it's a little bit more problematic because they don't tolerate lactose very well. So if it is made from milk or cream, then it may not sit so well. So generally, I'd avoid it if you can. But the particular dog that's had a, a bit of an ice cream yesterday, keep an eye on him. He'll probably be absolutely fine and have quite enjoyed his ice cream snack, I suspect. Okay, Janet is on WhatsApp. She wants to know, and I don't know if you can answer this or not, it's to do with sheep. Should sheep be sheared by now? I have seen some that have been done, but others have not been sheared. What's Jane's view on this? Um, you know, I, I'll put my hands up and say, first and foremost, I don't do a lot of sheep work myself, hmm. um, just the, the area that we're in. But at this time of year, a lot of them, may, let's say coming into the hot weather, they, they would be sheared. But it very much depends on the location and the weather in that area. So it might be kind of regional variation. Um, but generally, the farmers in the area are very good at keeping on top of the needs of their, their livestock. And I, I'm, I'm sure they'll be, be kind of keeping a weather eye on the weather and when shearing needs to be done. Um, so, yeah. Very good, Jane. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, thanks for your answers to all those questions and we'll chat to you again uh, next uh, Thursday. Have a good week. You too. Thank you. Take care, Jane. Thank you. Uh, that is Jane Pickett there of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. And just a final few comments into the show. This was on paying people for getting vaccinated. It was uh, an idea from uh, Cork East Deputy James O'Connor. And John in Mitchellstown says that James O'Connor wants to pay the young people. Why should anyone be paid? We are only protecting ourselves by getting the vaccine. While the person earlier on text who could not find a vaccination centre or could, not that cannot find one could not get registered and has registered but no text back and phoning the HSC and no luck well Bridget and Betty Valland says her local chemist is doing vaccines for the over 50 so maybe that's a route uh, that person could take and every good wish to Garda James O'Mahony who's retiring we had him on the show earlier for his final Garda fall my son had to attend the abandoned Garda station in my presence when we finished he shook hands with him and wished him good luck with the leaving cert he never sat the exam as the man above had other plans but a kind word is never forgotten exactly that's it we'll chat to you tomorrow morning from 10am take care cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget friendly coverage for you learn more at UH1.com planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.